Well, amen. It is awesome to be with you guys today. Um, I want to uh, take a moment and uh, thank Mike and uh, his uh, beautiful wife and little guy James for uh, having us come on up today. Uh, obviously, it's a humbling thing. Uh, we're grateful uh, that we could just spend a few minutes with, with all of you today. Um, I will say this. I absolutely love hearing uh, what God is doing through this group uh, down in the metro where I, where I reside. You know, our connection uh, to this church is actually on a number of different levels. Obviously, people we know, um, having uh, dinner last night with the Ballsers, and James is a cute little guy. He's awesome. It was like, and he's got this thing with my son with glasses. I don't know. Is at dinner time together last night. It was just fun to be with these guys, and they're real. They're personable. They love being here in Burlington, and I think you want that in those that are leading your church. Amen. They really love being here with all of you. Um, as uh, Larry mentioned, we go way back, and uh, it's always good to get time with Larry and his wife Michelle. And uh, his little guy, Emmett. I will say that uh, we are Facebook friends. And uh, certainly um, from the uh, tip of Emmett's toes to his fingertips, he's filled with probably a thousand donuts. (laughs) Right? All the posts on Saturday morning with dear old dad at the donut shop. And uh, it's like, which donut is he going to have today? I I need to know. (laughs) And so it's a great father-son bonding time, obviously, for for those guys to do that. Um, it's great hearing about uh, Devin and Monica, uh, Ben as a young disciple, as a teen, yeah. Ralph and Sue uh, moving here, obviously awesome. the Leaps. Uh, my wife lived with the Leaps yeah. for a period of time, right? So thank you for that free rent. That was awesome. So if you're single and they haven't told you, free rent is part of the equation. Oh. Whoops. Um, you know, so many of you have been here. And have been super faithful to God. Um, Take this in the right way. You guys are tough. And I mean that in the the right way. You're mentally tough. And it's an inspiration for those of us that are part of a big church. Which is what we're a part of down in the Boston area. In the Boston Church of Christ. Um, You know as a metro region. Uh, like a lot of churches do, we take up you know, our regular contribution, we take up a benevolent contribution, we give to what's called special missions to help uh, the fledgling churches in Europe and, and throughout New England. But on top of that, we also give an additional in Metro one times to the church specifically here in Burlington. And you know what? We're really glad that we can do that. Amen. I get emotional saying that because it keeps you on our hearts. You know, we pray about you a lot, and we want to hear what God is doing through this small group. It's inspiring. You're way up here in the north, four hours from where I live. It's a beautiful drive up 89, but you're up here, and you need each other. I mean, this is is the Burlington Church of Christ. And so to be able to give from a larger group to this group, we are glad to do it. Um, I will say on a smaller note... Um, that um, as a business owner down where I live, um, that I help your economy a fair amount by purchasing Green Mountain Vermont Country Blend uh, at my office a lot. So thank you for that coffee. Breakfast Blend's okay, but the Vermont Country Blend is my my poison of choice. You know, I uh, grew up in New Hampshire. Uh, You've heard that we live in Ashland. Uh, We're part of the metro region. It's a group of about 220 disciples. 
been married to my beautiful bride for 21 years. We have three kids. You heard from my two oldest. My little guy, Hunter. Hunter, raise your hand. Stand up. There he is, my little guy. He's 11. He, uh, it's great to have him here with us as well. I know he's buds with Emmett. And I've uh, been a disciple for 27 years, and uh, since 2003, um, I went to school for architecture, so I have my own um, architecture firm with a staff of seven at this point. So Mike shared with me that you have been studying at different, uh, different, uh, different characteristics of Jesus on Sunday morning, and I want to continue with that all-important theme this morning. And so my message is simply entitled today, Who is this man, who is Jesus really? You know, on the day after Jesus' death, it looked as if whatever small mark he left on the world would rapidly disappear. You know, instead, his impact on human history has been unparalleled. Yep. You know, after his disappearance from the earth, the days of his unusual influence began. You know, this effect on past and current history should cause any thoughtful person, apart from their religious ideas about Christianity, to just simply ask the question, who was this man? Yeah. You know, you can miss him, Jesus that is, in historical lists for many reasons. Perhaps the most obvious being the way that he lived his life. He wasn't this loud, obnoxious guy who demonstrated in a way to defend his movement as a rising political or military leader. He did not start out by telling those that wanted to follow him, here are the proofs of my, divi- of my divinity, affirm them, and I'm going to accept you. Hmm. You know, someone's legacy will outlast their life. It usually becomes apparent when they die. And when Jesus died... His tiny, seemingly failed movement cleared at the, you know, clearly seemed at their wit's end. And yet, Jesus' impact was the total opposite. Now, why was it the opposite, you ask? It's a good question. It's an important question. The fact is, Jesus didn't stay dead. Yep. The Bible records that Jesus was raised from the dead. Wow! Not too many people in human history can have that as their claim. And yet people that loved him, people that hated him, all saw him after he was resurrected from the dead. Huh! There's even a recording of him coming through a locked door to spend time with his fledgling group of disciples. And they're like, is this really who you say you are? That, imagine being in that room. And you're all trying to figure out what in the world just happened. And Jesus walks through a locked door. Uh-huh. You know, Jesus' viewpoint, I really believe, continues to haunt and challenge humanity like nobody else. You know, his life and his teaching simply drew people to follow him or completely reject him. But here's the deal. For good or for bad, no one could ignore him. You know, he made history by starting out in a very humble place, didn't he? 
Bible says Jesus was born where? And what's usually affiliated with mangers and caves? A lot of animals, right? Well, back down in Massachusetts, we have nine chickens. And when we have to clean those chickens, the coop, it stinks. That is not a fun job. My wife has gone so far to buy mass as we're in there raking out the chicken poop. My kids aren't all fired up about that one. But my point is, humble beginnings for our Lord. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Uh, we stayed at this awesome hotel last night. We had fresh linens. Jesus didn't have fresh linens the day he was born. He was in a manger, in a cave, surrounded by dirty, smelly animals. And that is the decision our Lord made to bring our Jesus to this earth. Pretty amazing. You know, I also love the fact that whoever you are, Jesus doesn't force himself on you. He doesn't need to. People who take the time to get to know the real Jesus, there's no forcing them to do anything. You're going to run to this man, Jesus. There's so many people that don't really know him. They've heard of him. They might have grown up, like I said, hearing the name Jesus. But what have you done personally to get to know this man, Jesus, today? And that's what I want to talk about for a few moments. It has been super encouraging for me for the last few weeks, studying out different characteristics of this man, Jesus. We're going to look at three brief things together this morning. We're going to look at his integrity. We're going to look at his righteousness. And we're going to look at his toughness. Sound good to you? Amen. So let's turn with me in the Bible to Psalm 25. Go, Glenn. In Psalm 25, verse 20 and 21, the Bible reads, Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. This is, one, this is another psalm of David, but this is certainly who Jesus was. Yeah. Where his attitude was, integrity and uprightness protect me. Look at this other example in an area that we all at times as married folk and single have a, have a challenge with, and that is paying taxes. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I had breakfast here this morning. I had to pay 11 extra percent to eat in Burlington. I showed my son that. 9% food tax and then 2% local tax. I'm like, what? Those are some good eggs, but taxes. But look at Jesus' attitude towards paying taxes in Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. It's a great example of Jesus demonstrating integrity to all of us. In verse 13, it says, Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They did that a lot. They came to him and said, Teacher... Well, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus, it says, knew their hypocrisy. 
Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this on the coin? And whose inscription? Caesar, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And it simply says they are amazed at him. Wow. You know, I'm amazed at how he dealt with these guys constantly trying to trip him up. They were doing this all the time. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets old in a hurry. When the folks around you are the leaders in the community, and all they're trying to do all the time is trip you up in your words. And yet I look at the way Jesus dealt with this situation with tremendous self-control. You know, how many of us at times struggle with self-control? I don't know what it's like driving on the roads of Burlington, but in Massachusetts, it can be a little scary. Meaning, I get cut off all the time. And it's challenging to remain composed, right? In sometimes situations where you're like, what? Just, what? What are you doing? And you want to explode at times. Yeah. And yet you look at Jesus, and this is one of many examples where his integrity remained true. You know, the definition of integrity is being honest and having strong moral principles. You know, words that are synonyms of integrity include honesty, ethics, righteousness, which is my next point, morality, virtue, decency, fairness, sincerity, and truthfulness. You know, we're constantly facing choices about these qualities, aren't we? Yeah. But what do I want to be known for when it comes to integrity? You know, there's, in 1999, there were these two guys, James Patterson and Peter Kim, and they wrote a book called The Day America Told the Truth. And a question was asked, what are you willing to do back in 1999 for $10 million dollars And two-thirds of Americans polled would agree to at least one of these following things and some to several of the following. And so my question to the audience is, what percentage do you think where people responded where they would be willing to abandon their entire family? For $10 million. $10 million. What are some some guesses? 50 people? Ouch. How many Twenty percent. All right, so we got a range: fifty to forty, ten, twenty-five percent. So think about this group here. Take out twenty-five percent of you, and you'd abandon your family. Twenty-five percent said that they would abandon their church. Sixteen percent said that they would give up their American citizenships and move to Mexico or Canada or wherever. 16 percent. Yeah, no, what's the number now? Well, self control, sister, come on. 16 percent would leave their spouses. 10 percent would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. 7 percent would kill a stranger. And 3 percent would put their children up for adoption. You know, clearly, these are extreme answers, right? But it is certainly very telling, I think, 
you know, what are the day-to-day challenges that face your integrity? I want you to take a moment and think about that. Whether you're a teen, whether you're really old like me, what, what is it that faces you, challenges you with your integrity today? You know, I love um, the example uh, of one of our most inspiring past, past presidents. You know, throughout his administration, Abraham Lincoln was a president that was constantly under fire, especially during the scarring years of the Civil War. And though he knew he would make errors in office, and we all do, he resolved never to compromise his integrity. So strong was this resolve that he once said, I desire so to conduct the affairs of the administration that if at the end, when I come to lay down the reins of power, I have lost every other friend on earth, I shall at least have one friend left, and that friend shall be down inside of me. You know, Jesus faced these same challenges, but his integrity and word and action never faltered. Jesus did have everyone abandon him, and yet he remained true. You know, we need to do likewise. At work, at school, with our friends, with our family. Honestly, at times it can be too easy to get caught up in what people do and what people say. But we need to take the time to really examine how are we doing in the area of integrity. What an upward calling to look at Jesus and his example. Amen? Amen. Look at me. Let's look at righteousness for a brief moment. In John chapter 8, looking at verses 1 through 11. You guys with me? Yeah, let's go, Glenn. You got this. Good stuff. In John 8, this is one of my favorite Bible stories. I love the way Jesus handled this situation. How righteous he was in this situation. In John 8, it says, But Jesus went down, went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But what did Jesus do? Well, what Jesus would do, he bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up. And he said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Then again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. You know, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the women still standing there. And Jesus straightened up again and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Man. You know, you look at the Jesus, look at the example of Jesus maintaining righteousness in a very challenging situation. Yeah, Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh, but he's also very human. I always wondered... What was he writing on the ground? He, he could have been like on the ground going, you know, praying, Lord, I, I just had a tremendous breakfast of eggs and fish. 
And now you want me to deal with this situation? What, what, what's going on? But he stayed on the ground writing stuff. Whatever. What was he doing later that day? What was he doing? He was maintaining his self-control. He was praying. I'm sure. To, to go, God, give me the words to say to deal with this hot and heavy situation. He knew what he was doing the entire time. You know, life can throw us difficult choices, can't it? It can be particularly hard for our kids since they struggle a lot with acceptance by their peers. It's brutal in high school today. We went, I mean, I went to high school a really long time ago and I had my challenges, but I know what my kids personally go through day in and day out. And we need to be there for them as parents through thick and through thin to encourage and strengthen them. Sometimes we don't get what's going on, but we just need to unconditionally love our kids as they're going through these tough challenges. Amen, parents? In the end, in Matthew 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, I want that to be my heart. Because it's not always my heart to hunger and thirst in this way for righteousness. This is something that is what, is what God wants all of us to do. And then lastly, I want to talk about something that I think is, you know, epitomizes this group. And that is toughness. And what do I mean by that? You know, often the world equates toughness with attitude and violence. You know, you're a tough guy over there, huh? Right? Hey, whoa, tough guy. But the definition of toughness is the state of being strong enough to withstand adverse conditions or rough handling. The example it gives is the toughness of steel. You know, in my line of work, um, as a principal of an architecture firm, we spec out steel a lot. It's extremely important. And the reason why it's important is today's homeowners want to have an open floor concept. They don't want to have a separate dining room from their kitchen, from their family room. They want it all big and wide open and awesome. But in order to do that, structurally, something has to happen. So that's what's beauty of steel. It can handle long spans. It's super strong, much stronger than wood. Here's what's cool about steel that a lot of people don't realize. There's a level of deflection that's allowed. So you've got this 40-foot span that's open. Well, that just doesn't happen by accident. You've got a piece of steel holding up the second floor and the roof, but in the middle you're going to have a little bit of deflection going on because of the weight kind of bearing down on it. And so I share that with you for a reason because physically the properties of steel are so tough it makes sense to handle heavy loads coming on it. And for us to be Christians, for us to be disciples in an environment that is, you know, in the middle of nowhere, there's got to be a level of toughness, mental toughness, to handle the heavy loads coming your way. And for me, when I look at physically steel, I'm like, yeah, I trust it. I know I can handle this. And Jesus was a man who was mentally tough. A lot of people look at Jesus holding the lamb. The little baby lamb. Oh, yay men for the baby lamb. But Jesus was way more than the baby lamb. Yeah. Jesus was flat out tough. Yeah. I love that side of my Lord. Yeah, that inspires right. me. 
As a business owner, when I see around me people who handle the ethics and the morality and truthfulness and integrity, like it, makes, it doesn't make any sense to them. The amount of business people I rub elbows with who lie through their teeth would amaze you. I lost a massive client as a small firm. I made around $175,000 a year with this one client. That's a lot of money. And that would impact laying off some of my staff if things went south with this firm. But over time, it was very evident to me that this individual was someone I could not remain in business with. The amount of lying that took place, the dishonesty that took place was killing me. And I looked at what I was bringing in financially, and I looked at what I was seeing before me, And every day, the internal battle was no joke. I share that with you because this was last year. And so I go, how am I going to have a staff of this much when I'm losing my second biggest client? Lord, I don't know what to do. And so I said, I I prayed. I prayed some more. I rolled up my sleeves. said, God, I I need you in this situation. And to God be the glory, I went from losing $175,000 a year with removing all contact with this individual to then this year having a surplus of 20% beyond that this year without that client. Within a year. That, my friends, is God blessing the decision I made that I'm not going to compromise my integrity to be in business with this individual. And it was all on faith that that happened. My wife is going to share at this time some things that have impacted her and her mental toughness. Um, you see me over the microphone. Um, so toughness is one of those interesting words, right? Like before I was a Christian, I used to think I was really tough. And so I was tough by keeping everything in, by being fine all the time, by pushing through, um, by just kind of, you know, toughing it out. But that wasn't Jesus. You know, that, that wasn't the toughness of Jesus. He was tough because he didn't give in to Satan. Um, he didn't give in to the, the battles and the pressures of the world. And so I became a Christian 27 years ago at 18 years old, and I really thought that life would be amazing and awesome forever. And life is awesome, and I am so grateful, but it's hard, too, right? There are hard things. There are dreams that didn't come true. Um, I have had really good friends die. I've had people be really sick. I've had people who became Christians who left. Uh, people who I studied the Bible with who didn't want Jesus. Um, I've had challenges in my character that people have talked to me about. I've had challenges um, just in my marriage, in parenting, in relationships. Um, and so at times, it's it can be really hard. We lead a family group right now. We have 10 families in it, and we have 19 teens and preteens. And so sometimes it can be really overwhelming because everybody's life, there's a lot of stuff that comes at you. There's a lot of distractions. Um, teens go through hard things. Yeah. Um, life is really, really busy. And so it's, it's easy for me to just want to be sentimental or just to um, not be hopeful and faithful in circumstances and situations. And so how do I stay tough? So the first thing I do is I pray. I pray with loud cries and tears. I'm like, God, I hate this. 
God, I don't want to go through this. God, this is really, really hard. God, help me out. So I just, I try to be really, really real with God because otherwise I go back to the way I used to be tough and just hold it all in and just, you know, trudge through. And that's not the way God wants me to be. But in being real, I've got to do something with that. So then I've got to go back to the Bible. I've got to go back to God's word and the truths in it. Psalm 119, verse 160, it says, All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. And so I have to constantly remember that God's word is true. It's not about what I feel that's true or what I think that's true, but what does God say? Like, what is God's truth? Um, and so I have to fight to align my feelings to God's truth and not be sentimental or lazy-minded. And I have to think of all of those truths. You know, God won't give me more than I can bear. You know, if I continue to do what's right, God will bless that. And it might not be the way that I think, but I trust that God is in control of all of that. And then, um, you know, the last thing is just being open. Like, I need people in my life. It's a lot easier to be tough and go to battle when you got some people with you, right? It's harder to just do it by yourself. But we all think we kind of know. I feel like I've been around a long time. I know a lot. I can do it. But I don't. I, I've got to always be growing and changing um, and so I pray really hard to be humble. Like, God, help me to be humble. Help me to be real. Help me to trust the people you've put in my life, the input that you want to give me, um, and help me to just, to, you know, to be, it, to be tough. It takes that, that humility, you know, too, and not just kind of feeling like I can do it all by myself. Um, and so I do. I pray for humility in my marriage with my husband to trust him. Um, in my parenting, in my leadership, because ultimately I really want to be like Jesus. And so now for me, like being spiritually tough is it's not giving into my will, but really fighting to keep God's will and, to, you know, to trust all of that. And, you know, women and guys, I think, too, but we, I don't want to be sentimental. And it's easy to, to get sentimental with people. Oh, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. And to not kind of go back to Jesus is Lord. And so that is my battle is to kind of always go back there. But I need God's word. I need prayer. And I need people to really help me. You know, as we uh, bring it in for a landing here this morning, you know, the example, just because of time's sake, that you can reference is uh, for toughness is uh, Luke 22, verse 39 through 45. And that's when, and my son mentioned this in his communion message as well, you know, that Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives to pray. Mm-hmm. And this, this, these few verses on a number of different levels is pretty inspiring. Yep. What I love about this, too, with all their, I don't know, lack of wisdom and their stupidity, the, the guys that are with Jesus, he brought them with him for a reason, didn't he? He needed his guys. He needed his buds. He knew that the situation in front of him was going to be really tough. And we know that to be true because, historically speaking, It's very rare that someone would pray so intensely like it was drops of blood combined with their sweat. That's how intense he prayed about going to the cross. And he brought his guys there with him who just fell asleep. 
But I love the fact that it was his desire, Jesus' desire, to bring his friends along with him to comfort him, to be a support to him. And that's what we need to be for one another, is we need to be mentally tough, sure, but there are moments we're not, are we? There are moments like, I'm just not feeling it today. And that's when we need to pick up the phone. We need to go over someone's house and just talk through what it is that you're feeling, what you're going through. You know, I had a few brief moments with Larry before the service, and he shared with me things that he was feeling about the passing of his father. It's no joke to lose someone you love. And I want to show, and we need to show sensitivity to one another when we're going through tough things. But we look at the example of Jesus in this, in this setting, and I'm blown away by it. That in despite of challenges and persecution and eventual torture and death, Jesus clearly showed the epitome of emotional, physical, and mental toughness. Real toughness. You know, when we develop and have this type of mental toughness, it commands respect by the people around us. And the Bible says we gain blessings from God. Blessings from God when we are this way. You know, in conclusion, you know, for most of us, you know, we became Christians. We were ready, I would say, to tackle the world. We were so close to Jesus in a way that we had not been our whole lives. None of us came out of the waters of baptism as a new creation with the mindset of wanting to remain mediocre with our lives. Yeah. Right? Right. We said, you know what? Becoming a Christian, according to the Bible, according to the Scriptures, is no joke. This is going to be intense. This is a commitment. You know, there's so many people that I, again, rub elbows with in the business world who believe in Jesus. Well, the Bible says even the demons believe in God and shudder. It's when someone makes a decision that you're not just going to be my Savior, that you're going to be my Lord. And understanding the definition of what does it mean to make Jesus Lord. You know, we looked at just a few characteristics of Jesus today. His integrity, his righteousness in dealing with these religious leaders and his toughness in going to God on the cross on behalf of all of us. My encouragement for those of us who are Christians in the room today is go after studying out these things. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work, but my friends, it is worth it. If you're visiting today, check out who this man is. Not what you've heard other people say about him. For yourself. Look at the scriptures. We looked at a few examples today. I hope that encourages you. Thanks for having us here with you today. Amen. Amen.